Hi and welcome to the Unschooled Space, the podcast that's here to help parents embrace their personal journey into unschooling with all the joy and challenges it's likely to bring. Each episode I look at different aspects of unschooling and talk with other parents about their experiences. This is episode 30 and I'm your host Esther Jones. And if you're interested in delving further into your deschooling journey, I'm hosting an online deschooling workshop on Thursday, December the 1st. We'll be looking at how children naturally learn, how we can hold them in a space in which they can thrive, and how we can also thrive as we do that. I'll be sharing techniques to help you stay calm and curious when those inevitable triggers arise, and strategies that hold and support you as you unravel all that deep conditioning. So you can find out more about the workshop on my website, which is esther-jones.com. And you can also find that in the podcast notes. So today I'm chatting with Erin Roseman from Ontario, Canada. And Erin has four children who are now aged between 17 and 23. And Erin came to unschooling when her oldest child reached school age after connecting with home educating parents and realizing that school would be a bad fit for her son. Today, we talk about what unschooling looks like as our children get older, how highly individualized it is to each child and to their particular interests, and how their own motivation naturally moves them forward. We also talk about our changing role as parents and what it means to look after ourselves whilst also accompanying our children on their journeys. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Erin. Lovely to have you here today. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, hi, Esther. It's so nice to be here. I really, I felt really happy to be invited. So thank you. Great. Well, it's uh, lovely to have you. And maybe you could just tell us a little bit about your journey into learning beyond school and about your family. Sure. Yeah. So, so we live in Canada, in Ontario, Canada, and we're kind of rounding the bend, I guess, in this journey, because my youngest is in her official, I mean, learning, as we know, doesn't end, but it's sort of our last official year that she would be legally school age. And then uh, I've got three guys older than her. So a 23 year old, a 21 year old, and a 19 year old. And as far as our journey to this kind of to, to the place that we're at now, you know, I think probably for me, a lot of it started with kind of getting some understanding of attachment parenting and connected parenting, even before the school age uh, years. So, you know, I'm thinking even, you know, to go back to infancy and toddlerhood, it was really kind of understanding that there were some different ways of doing things, and that a lot of them were quite, just quite helpful in connecting with your child and helping them, I guess, understanding what their needs needs were and kind of really incorporating that into our life. So I think that actually was probably pretty foundational to how we eased into this way of, you know, kind of living and learning. Um, as far as the actual idea of like home education or unschooling, I think I first heard the word homeschooling like I might've heard it before in passing, but as far as really hearing it in a concrete way, my son, my oldest son was an infant. So we're going back, you know, 23 years, um, less common than it is now. But yeah, I was going for a walk with another mom we had met and we both had babies and she said she was planning to homeschool. And then she told me she had been homeschooled. And 
just kind of floored <laughs> because I, you know, I had known her for several weeks at this point and I just didn't, I had never met anybody else who had been homeschooled or who was planning to homeschool. So I think that sort of was the beginning of that uh, door opening, kind of planted a seed. And like so many things in life, I just kept meeting people, you know, like I was working part time and my coordinator mentioned like a month later that she was, uh, she was actually unschooling. And then we were at a resource center and I met a couple of other parents who were homeschooling. And I thought, hmm, this is actually like, this is something that more than just this one (laughs) friend is doing. Right. Yeah. So it just really started to kind of take hold as a, you know, I mean, it wasn't an absolute, but it was a possibility. And I think I was probably a pretty easy sell as far as the idea, just in that while I had always, you know, technically I did pretty well in school, I never felt, I never really felt like that was where my real learning happened in thinking about it, hearing about this opportunity to do things differently. It really didn't take very long for me to become interested in that. So yeah, I think there was that seed planted and then just fast forwarding, I guess, to my, to my eldest becoming school age Mm. and just recognizing that uh, there was already so much learning happening. And we had some good community actually as well, as far as just um, not exactly homeschool families, but some of them, some of them were homeschool families. And I think I also just recognized that for him, like, so here in our province, we have two, two years of kindergarten and they're, they're full day. So, and that switched that year. So in, in our province, he would have been not quite four and going all day, every day. It just felt like a lot and definitely a lot for, you know, his personality. We were working with lots of sensory pieces and I was just like, hmm. <laughs> I think we we actually did try sort of a private, um, I think it was just like two half days a week. Yeah, it really wasn't a fit. And by this time, we had other community. And I remember kind of lamenting to this other mom, you know, should we push it? Should we not? And she just said, like, she had older kids as well. And she said, hey, we're, you know, we're part of this homeschool group and we're meeting to watch the salmon swim upstream tomorrow afternoon. Just do that instead and see what you think. And it was such a fantastic afternoon (laughs) that I was like, this is better for us. So, Wow. And so how has it been for you? So with four children, have you seen, have they all been a very different experience for you? (laughs) Yeah. Very different. (laughs) Yeah. Very different interests, um, Mm. uh, different personalities. And so Yeah, I would say the biggest thing, you know, was probably some would have interest in very uh, sort of structured activities or more, yeah, maybe interested in some competitive structured pieces and a couple were not at all. So yeah, it it definitely (laughs) stretched my brain at times. But yeah, you know, we kind of a rhythm and we, we made it work. Yeah, it's a curious thing that isn't it piecing together everybody's rhythms, as you said. Um, because they can be very different. You know, we have three and and they're very different. And um, you know, even in one getting up very early in the morning, one getting up later, and one needing to be busy all day, another really very relaxed, coming more alive in the afternoon. And, you know, it's quite 
a thing to hold in your head. I think once you get used to that, you get used to noticing if everyone is simply okay. And you notice more the tone of the family, the tone in the house, and it feels good rather than who's doing what when. Yes, I'd never thought about it that way, but that's that's very true. That's that's a way to, to mm. think about it. And I don't think that I fully realized because the older two were quite quite extroverted, very much thriving with social opportunities and being out and about. And so I think in most families, you know, sometimes your oldest children, you sort of get into a zone based on that, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, as, as they got older, um, and actually even just as recently as a very few years ago, as far as leaving home, it was kind of like, oh, we can change paces, you know, I'm fairly introverted, my husband's fairly introverted, and my younger two are fairly introverted. And so it was just interesting as time went on, it was kind of like, oh, we don't, we don't necessarily need to do all the, all the things. <laughs> and maybe we did, but it was, it was just kind of what you were alluding to. There's just like a shift in, I wasn't thinking concretely about it, but there was like a shift in energy that. Um, ah, Yeah. I can imagine that. Well, I guess the energy also is created by the interaction of everyone together, isn't it? So one of those pieces leaves, it must shift anyway. I was actually talking today to a mom about community, actually, because you clearly have got a good community around you. But that thing when you have a quite an introverted child who doesn't particularly enjoy groups, but you want community. And I thought, oh, that's quite interesting. That was kind of a, a situation she was in. And one of my children really doesn't particularly like going to big groups. You know, they have lots of interests, but that's not their thing. And so sometimes I can feel that, oh, I would really like to go out and be with lots of people. But that's not what your child is looking for. I think that can be an interesting one as well, like fitting yourself into that whole that whole thing. And as an introvert, you're just saying you're an introvert. Does that feel now that your extroverts have left home? That must feel quite different then for you. Yes. <laughs> Well, and you know, some things kind of all happened at once because also the pandemic kind of came into play. And so there were a few things probably that kind of all came together and it was like, oh, maybe I don't need to be this busy. (laughs) And my daughter, who's my youngest, is is very, I would consider her to be very introverted. Um, And yet she did have a fairly full schedule like classical ballet and performance choir, like she likes those kinds of things. So like, even though from a a little bit of a different perspective, but still busy. Yeah. But yeah, definitely, definitely a shift. And, you know, I wouldn't say I regret any of it. It Mm. it was very nice to, to have a little bit of a pushing point, I think, to meet people and develop community so tell us a little bit about what what your older ones are doing now. Yeah, so um, so my oldest he moved a couple of hours away from us. He he went to college about oh I lose track of years maybe four <laughs> four years ago <laughs> I want to say four or five. Um, right. Yeah, just a couple hours away from us. So yeah, so he went into uh, business and marketing, and he graduated kind of like in the middle of the pandemic. It was all a little bit wild for a bit. But yeah, so he's been working in his uh, in his field, trying a couple different different things. Um, and then the next guy down, he also went to college in the culinary field. He lives close enough that we can visit, but not he's, he's not right in the house. Um, and then by 
youngest son, who is 19. So right now he's dividing his time between, it's a carpentry apprenticeship. But when I say carpentry, it's kind of like fine woodworking. So like um, the mentor he's working with has done a lot of uh, cabinetry and boat building, but he also does a lot of custom work. So yeah, so my son is doing that, but he's also working quite a bit. Well, in in a lumber, like he's also working with wood in his, his... So that's been kind of interesting because that was like a mentorship that I looked mm-hmm. for. He was always interested in carpentry. So I looked for years, actually. And I guess he was 13 or 14. He began uh, working in this carpenter's workshop with him. Right. And so that's just kind of... There hasn't been a big change except that now some of that time he actually does customer orders rather than just learning so it's a little bit different that way Uh, yeah so that's kind of what he's up to yeah and my daughter is you know we're sort of I guess she's keeping her options open at this point so we're working I guess we're kind of doing a couple things we've sat down quite a bit and just looked at different possibilities so she's right now she's working putting some things together for a portfolio. She's, she does a lot of art and a lot of writing, but we're also kind of gathering things for a, a transcript if, if we're wanting to go kind of more in that direction. So a lot of, I think there'll be a lot of people listening thinking, oh, unschool is going to college. That's, that's interesting. So, um, so I think something that people are surprised about is the idea that you can be very free to learn what you want to learn, but then you can knuckle down to it and attend classes and do well at college and so maybe could you talk us through a little bit about what you've seen there and how your how your guys have how they are in a formal setting and how they're finding that yeah so what we kind of did is there was just lots of conversation throughout those years as they're kind of getting through the teens so I would describe a lot of what we did as kind of working backwards so somebody who's interested in something, we would look at, okay, well, what prerequisites uh, do you need? And then what, and then it's kind of a step further, even what do you need to even get into the prerequisite, right? Because it's, right. if you haven't been in public school, the board wasn't necessarily just saying, oh yeah, you can hop into grade 12 English because they didn't, they didn't know on, you know, kind of what premise. So depending on the situation, we did some uh, provincial online credits toward whatever area they were kind of interested in for my oldest son that was the clearest path to very goal-oriented like let's just let's just do this for another couple of the kids it was just really I don't know it was just like stripping their love of the topic away (laughs) and it was just a little bit more creative and and I hear you I hear you (laughs) We have a little bit of that right now where they, they're aware of where they want to go and what they want to do. So they're doing things and they're doing them, but they're also saying, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like and this. I'm sure, you know, as you're probably noticing, yeah. it, the interest in continuing is probably directly correlated to the drive to do whatever the particular thing is. Right. So right. We had situations where uh, there was a lot of perseverance and it was like, yep, let's just knuckle through. And there were other times where it was kind of like, well, this just, this isn't worth it. Like, no, we don't want this badly enough to, there might be other ways of doing it. Sorry, isn't that a wonderful thing to know, to be able to feel into though, to be able to say, oh, 
actually, I don't want to spend X years or months doing something that I don't feel I really want to do. Yes, that's such a, like, yeah. How great to know that so early to be able to discern. Right? Yes. And I think about how little of my own kind of knowledge I probably had about <laughs> that. Or, I know. You know, you know Erin, right at the beginning, and you were saying about your time at school, and I think so many people come to um, a different approach because we went through school and we did what we were told and we followed it. And yet it wasn't fulfilling. We probably lost track there a little bit about what we really did like. We certainly weren't able to deep dive into those topics. And so I think there's that yearning for our children also to be able to do that and say, yeah, you know, do what feels right and meaningful to you. Um, Because when you haven't done that or you've come to it much later in life, I think we feel that lack. It's almost like a disconnect somehow, isn't it? It, it is. Yeah, it is. And there's almost like um, a bit of a grief, I think, of just, I don't know, all the time that you, you're you kind of, um, it, it's not that there's anything inherently wrong with how I was spending my time, but I didn't know there was any other way. So it's just this strange feeling of not, of not even having been aware of, and I think there probably were fewer options, but I don't know. There might have been more than I I realized for myself. So, yeah. So I, it's really been very individualized, Esther. As far as uh, you know, so the the son that I'm describing around doing the apprenticeship, like he's he's he just doesn't see for himself any value at the moment in putting the kind of money or having anybody else put the kind of money. You know, it's it's not just about whether he wants to pay for for more traditional post-secondary he just you know he would need to have a really clear reason to do that instead of kind of the path that he's he's doing so yeah so they've each been very different I think in you know and then my the one that I am technically still you know home educating or is unschooling here you know she really sets up her day she loves to do different courses she's quite quite structured in that way of choosing course dividing her time likes to really keep to that structure during the week like very aware if there's like a holiday monday <laughs> you know she really likes to have that time structured but i don't think it would flow as well if it was all put upon her you know like it's the idea of oh wow these are the choices and Kind of what do I want to dip into? Yeah. Don't you think that the structure that you create yourself is so different to an imposed structure? I think that, you know, if you hadn't experienced that, you might, you go, oh, yeah, well, children like structure. But that's not the same thing at all. Like to create one's own structure that works for yourself. I mean, that's really important to be able to do that. And that's what she's doing, of course. It's yeah. Not- very different hugely hugely different um so yeah so it's it's interesting to watch that process with somebody deciding that for themselves I think the other thing that's probably been helpful is that I don't have any real preconceived it doesn't sound very um appropriate from a mainstream perspective for me to say I don't have expectations but I 
I don't really have a sense of what I expected, you know, my kids to do. And the timeline is very, yeah, I, I don't have the sense of like, you're this age, so you should be applying here. Yeah. I think it's allowing my daughter a lot of kind of breadth to, um, like, even though this is technically her last year, mm. she's not ruling out sort of formal post-secondary education at all. It's definitely one of the things she's interested in, but I don't think there's any thought of going like next year. So it also just up the, the time, right, to try a few different things. Yeah, I think that's really huge, actually, because um, I think the teenage years are quite, they're quite interesting. I find there are new challenges coming up as they're making these choices or sort of navigating what choices there are. And I think you're quite right there. And I have to sometimes remind myself, there is no timeline on this. You know, we are all learning always. And if a person wants to take a year getting some experience um, that's just very interesting to them, it will certainly do them well. You know, there is no rush. And I think that to have that and to hold that and to hold them in the space where there is no rush is really valuable. And it really allows them to be much freer in their choices. I think that's incredibly important because there really is no rush. I mean, when we look at ourselves and our friends and Everyone changed, you know, people burned out at this age or they went traveling for three years after college or I mean, there's just so many ways of doing life. The idea that you have to have it all set up according to a very specific timetable is really nonsense, isn't it? I well, mean, it, it is. And, and I mean, that's such a good point. If I think of the people that I kind of either grew up with or, you know, came up into early adulthood with, I don't. I can think of almost no one who did exactly what they, you know, started a, a program or a degree of some kind at 18 and, <laughs> and that's carried them through. I mean, most people do some dips and dives. and Right. And we pick up life experience, don't we? And, and hopefully our life experience will reorient ourselves into new directions, you know. I mean, whoever thought that you or I would have an interest in unschooling <laughs> and be having this conversation right now. Yeah. You know, like... <laughs> you know, things come up. Yeah, it's interesting navigating these years, though, because I do feel one thing, which um, is that it's a, in society, it's quite it's quite hard to be a teenager in the society. Um, you talked about finding the apprenticeship. And actually, just today, I thought, gosh, I wish there were so many more ways that 15, 16 year olds could do meaningful things, you know, with adults. And you have to look really, really hard for those opportunities, you know, and then I, I appreciate our privilege in being able to look and help them, you know, find those things. Um, but it does require uh, a lot of searching, doesn't it? And, and because it, because of course society is set up in this quite rigorous way and it expects everybody to go at this pace and to be at school. So uh, it can be a bit challenging, I think, I mean, to be finding those alternative routes sometimes. Although I have to say they're very, they're very, they are very creative and they really do know their own mind. So they do sort of direct that forward. Yeah, that's, that, it's amazing, actually. You're right, what they kind of come up with themselves. But um, also, you're right, it is very uh, tricky sometimes to kind of get things put into place because I think with such a sort of, I just want to say schooled, I guess, society, places don't necessarily know what you're asking for. 
it brings to mind for one of my other guys, I had uh, worked. And when I say worked, I just mean like had a series of conversations with um, a conservation authority around kind of their fish and wildlife program. And the idea of um, him doing sort of, he, he would be apprenticing weekly. And I believe he was, he was 16 at the time you know, initially the conversation went very well because they thought, oh, this would be great. We could very much use an extra set of hands. He's interested. He knows some things already. And it moved to the point that I had an opportunity to talk to the, whoever was the head of the, that particular department. And it was all looking really good. And then when I went to follow up at the time that we were to get started, she said to me, great, he just has to apply. And I said, well, what do you mean? And what they had done is they'd actually taken it to the school board, all these conversations we'd had. And so the position was there, but in fact, they had created some other ones as well, based on some of our conversation. And now it, they'd kind of formalized it. I'm thinking probably for insurance purposes. And I explained, well, we're not in school. Like it's, you know, he's homeschooling. So it was actually quite a source of frustration because I kind of felt like they had taken the idea we'd had and made it a school board thing. And in the end, he wasn't able to do it actually because he had to come through a formal school board. So I guess it kind of highlighted to me how I thought we were speaking the same language as far as what we were looking for. But in fact, we were not. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> um, something I wanted to ask you, Erin, is uh, the way you were describing um, that sort of facilitating, finding things for them to do. Is how do you see the role almost of um, the the unschool parent? Because the way you're describing it sounds it's really resonating with me. That kind of someone has an interest, so you're you're looking for things that can help them, but you're not pushing it you're kind of being quite careful at the same time helping them navigate their way forward but allowing it to be their journey I don't know do you have any thoughts around that what that role kind of feels like or what the challenges yeah. are perhaps of that role yeah too? well I mean just yeah I, I think I've always kind of tried if I can to keep that in mind that degree of of flexibility for those kinds of things whether it's the uh, woodworking or um, my daughter I don't know if I'd call it a mentorship, but she did sort of small group. There were three or four girls that did, they worked with an artist every week for quite a few years. And again, that was set up very flexibly so that it was sort of, I think it was like three months at a time or something like that. But there was a lot of space for them to work on the pieces that um, made sense for them. You know, they didn't always have to be doing the same thing. And I think we've always differentiated because I think that's the concern sometimes, isn't it? With with homeschooling is this idea that kids won't be able to commit or kids won't be able to hang in for something for the long run. And so we, we've had lots of things like that, though, that I, I think kids inherently know the difference between something like a soccer team or a choir and something that you set up a little bit more flexibly. And I still think there's room there's room to leave those bigger activities too if they don't if they don't work out. Yeah, I think that's a really important point actually because um, I was talking some some recently about this how that knowledge when I'm done, I've had enough, it's time for me to move on. You know, like 
again, we I think it's um very much ingrained in us that you stick at things, and that's a very important thing. But I think it's also very important to recognize when um, an activity isn't serving you anymore. But of course, for the parent, that does mean we don't want to commit to a whole year of something, you know, we'll pay up front for six months when it might last, you know, two classes or whatever. But I, I've, um, one of my children actually finds it quite hard to leave things. He feels bad about it. Um, he feels he should keep going. At one point I had to say, well, if you keep going with everything, you know, you, you, you just can't possibly do that. And he, he's become very good through that process of understanding which are the things that he really loves because he's also able to understand which are the things that really don't light him up anymore and I've sort of really helped him feel like he has permission to leave those things um, because ultimately you know we don't bring anything to the world by doing things that we don't want to do with a heavy heart you know it's not really a gift to anybody um, as somebody who has always found it hard to give things up because I've always felt, oh, I'm committed. I must fulfill this, even when I'm burned out. Yes, yes. I, I have a tendency, too, to have trouble giving things up for myself. So I can relate to you and your son. You know, I think my kids have taught me a lot about that because, you know, I could, there seems to be this, um, I can't remember the wording you used, Esther, but it, it's sort of there's this sense that something might be coming to an end or that it might be time to shift gears. And I just find they're so tuned into that. Whereas my programming is, well, of course, sign up again next year. Nothing went wrong, right? So we'll start right. again. <laughs> there's nothing terrible. Our bar is very low. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's just this sense of being able to enjoy something, and but it's mm. finished for you. Yeah, and sometimes start things and we don't enjoy them but I think it's taken me a little bit longer if the kids were let's say they were quite capable with something or they really enjoyed it I just made the assumption that that would be something they would continue and yeah so it's 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 kind of like there's a couple layers to it I think there's the idea of figuring out what you're interested in and what you're not but then also what format you're interested in you know like you know one of my son's um quite good at basketball and he's he's played a lot of basketball but he's always always played it fairly casually and then he joined a more formal team and just didn't he just didn't enjoy it so and it was it was interesting because you know the coach who had known him from the more casual end of things I, I think it was hard for him to understand so good and he's enjoying it and and I'm like yeah it's just not what he wants to get out of it so for him it wasn't that he didn't like a particular sport but he figured out pretty easily that he it was just taking the joy um out for him right so he had a group of pretty large group of guys who were actually really good players but who had formed their own league so he could still play a really good level of of basketball Ball without um, having to kind of be in a more dog eat dog <laughs> sort of setting that didn't fit his personality. So it's I don't know. They're so much better at that than than I am still. But I think I have learned a lot from them. Um, yeah. Mm, same here. And I think also what you're kind of picking up on there is that idea that we can never look in on someone else and tell them what's right for them. And I've often had that experience, particularly because with my older two now who are making sort of bigger choices about their lives, you know, um, 
And something that just looks so logical and obvious to me, it just seems like a no-brainer, but <laughs> it isn't to them. And they're like, nope, that's absolutely not what I want to do. And I'm like, yeah, but it seems to be ticking all the boxes. I wouldn't say that, but in my head, I'm perplexed, right? And I just have to sit with that. I'm just perplexed. But then I have to think, oh, they're not me. You know how, you know how you start a phrase? I almost did the other day. So, well, if I were you, of course, I'm not you. So so I had, I can't really tell how you're feeling any of this. And so... I think that's almost at the heart of all of this, isn't it? Is that the individual is the only person who can really genuinely feel in to all those different factors around all those choices. But as a parent looking in on that, it, it sometimes can be like, wow, okay. But then they'll come up with something you think, yeah, of course that is better, isn't it? That's so much better. I get it, you know? So... That's quite awesome, really, to watch. Yeah, it, it is. And I think that, I mean, I don't think I'm alone in this, but I, I think this is pretty common probably of uh, of home educating parents in general. And maybe maybe it's a little different even kind of in the realm of unschooling is this idea of, well, I don't know. For me, I think I had a big sense of like what I needed to bring. I needed to, I needed to be the bringer of the experiences and the, and setting things up and I would be kind of looking two steps ahead, right? Of, right. oh, this might be a good opportunity if we did this. or And just to watch how people really, I mean, not that we don't help support and we don't help facilitate some pieces, but I mean, the basketball would be an example to watch this group of multi-age guys, really, because they were probably from 14 up to 30, develop this league for themselves. Mm. And organize the nights and organize the teams. And I mean, I couldn't have done any of that. It would have been ridiculous because I wasn't in it, right? <laughs> it would have, here I come in as the mother. I mean, that would have been totally right. inappropriate. Um, yeah. But I didn't need to. Like I would, at first I would see those experiences and I would think, okay, yeah, this seems kind of cool, but it also seems like really wide open. Um, and it's really, when, when people have a common interest, they're really good at working themselves. And um, it kind of blew my mind. Yeah, That particular child has been involved in a few things like that because he likes to connect around interests, but he doesn't like sort of talk down teams or lessons and that kind of thing. So he also tapped into like a skateboard community that I don't even have words for it. It's been so amazing. We've done these road trips like they do these road trips through different provinces and they all gather from different you know parts of Canada um and then there's kind of a local community as well but to see them organize this whole process it's very interesting it's really taught me to sort of take a step back I don't need to be the the grand curator of everything but I'm really happy to support it you know and figure out what I can do to, you know, to be encouraging or to be available. Yeah, that's interesting, Erin. Yeah, I, I t that totally resonates with me because, I, you know, I started the journey as well with that kind of right. Well, yeah, I'm going to show you the world and I'm going to, we're going to do all these things that I will kind of create. And I think quite early on it was apparent that that wouldn't be the way it was going to be, that I would be sort of following them and, you know, according to, what organically was sort of happening, I would be 
kind of then figuring out what might come next or if I could help them, maybe I couldn't in any way whatsoever. And I think that was a little, it was a sort of lesson in humility there, I think, actually, you know, about being able to sit and observe rather than being uh, sort of in charge in some way, except perhaps always to be holding that safe space where they can just be. I think that that is always a key part of that, that whatever is happening, this feels like a safe, loving space. That feels always important. Yeah, it it does. And I think, you know, if I think about, from a time commitment perspective, it was probably pretty similar to what, even if it had been something that I'd been more instrumental in, because I was, you know, listening for those cues of what are the nights, you know, you need a ride or what are the, you know, to be here and there. And I found that driving time, even though sometimes it was quite short, a really good time to listen into some pieces, right? And just, yeah. You know, as you probably know, often conversations don't happen just because we decide we're going to have a conversation. But if we're driving or we're, you know, I could pick up on a lot of those kinds of pieces. And someone recently on the, I think it was on the podcast recently, was telling me how there is actually some some sort of science behind this about when you're both staring ahead, not at each other, and it's something about the way the brain works. And perhaps it's just an entirely non-threatening environment, but all sorts of different. Um, conversations do tend to flow and communication connection can happen much more easily when both looking ahead (laughs) in a car yeah I think there probably is (laughs) because I've heard lots of people say that so there has to be has to be something to that I think yeah Yeah. we have a lot of our our best conversations driving along and so Erin um after you know you've been doing this for many years um what are the ways that you've learned to take care of yourself in all of this? Because obviously we're chatting and it sounds so easy and anyone listening will go, wow, it all sounds so easy. <laughs> but of course it isn't. And it's quite a weight, particularly when you had four at home. It's quite a lot of people and it's quite a lot of emotions and it's it's a lot to hold sometimes, I think. So um, other ways that you have learned to really sort of nourish yourself and to keep yourself sort of grounded or connected or whatever whatever you feel like you need you know I have to say Esther that's an area that I'm not hasn't been (laughs) probably one of my strong (laughs) points um I think you know I'm finding and I don't know if it's just because I'm more in tune with it now but I'm finding there's a lot more conversation kind of publicly about self-care and you know I I don't know that I really had specific practices and it's interesting coming out of sort of I'd mentioned that kind of attachment parenting end of things and I think I probably and and I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing I mean maybe those early years are just kind of intense anyway but I I don't think I really did take a lot of time to take care of myself however I think even if we're not being conscious about it as humans (laughs) at some point we do things right we develop some sort of Mm -hmm. habit whether it's even conscious. So I'm sure there were things that I did. I think one of the things that I I can say that I I found helpful is that, you know, a lot of the things we did were pretty open-ended, right? We did have some years that we participated in some kind of co-op type things, but a lot of the time we were out hiking or we were at a playground or whatever. And so I did really tap into that time with other parents that I, I think was very, you know, if I kind of had to pick something that was nourishing I would say it was that. And my preference was always like a couple of, of mums, not like a massive group, but you can usually carve that out, you know, if you're on a hike or, or whatever. So 
yeah, I think that some of those connections that I made, and I certainly didn't become, you know, fast friends with every single person that, um, whose children my kids connected to. I think that's another piece that, that I tried to understand was that those two things were not always going to be linked. Sometimes my kids had friendships. I didn't necessarily connect with the parent, but it was worth it, you know, to me to kind of facilitate this, that, but there were enough people that I think there was a real nourishing time where we could and connect. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as the kids got older, I really tapped back into, so I really like to walk and I like to hike. And so, you know, often, you know, there was, I would always kind of look for the trails, right? So if I was taking my fire, I found some nice little spots. Um, so it was more like self-care within the structure, family structure. Yeah. Well, do you know, I think, but I think that that is much more doable and reasonable and, and reachable than the idea of, right, I have to take three hours off to do all these things. I think it's really healthy to weave those moments into the day. And I think it, you know, also so your children can see how you, what your needs are and how you fulfill those. I just find that, you know, because it feels, of course, it's lovely to go away and do your own thing sometimes too. But I think it's also very important to find your place within the family unit where you are enjoying yourself and finding exactly your thing too. And and showing your children that that you are so yeah i'm all for finding those little moments in in the day yeah i think so too and i think that you know the idea of sort of weekends away or you know spa days or those those aren't necessarily everybody's cup of tea i think it's interesting i've almost realized because as i said there was all this talk about self care and then i kind of got thinking about it and i'm like hmm what do i do and where do i fit that in and what does that look like for me I think maybe I have been doing it more naturally than I realized. And I, because then I started almost getting a little, I don't want to say stressed, but you're almost thinking about whether you're taking care of yourself. And I'm thinking, well, maybe this doesn't need to look like getting away. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it often, uh, I, I sort of think of it and again, being intuitive about how am I, you know, am I fine? Well, then that's great. I, you know, I don't need to do anything extra, but I I also know the things that make me feel fine. And, and they are some quiet time in the morning, making sure I've had some exercise during the day. It could be a walk, it could be, you know, go on a bike ride. It could be with a child or by myself. You know, there's the little bits I think that I, I do incorporate in the day always. Um, but the bottom line, I think, is being intuitive to ourselves. So if we find ourselves feeling a little bit snappy or tired or, okay, you know, what might I need here? I think is a good question to ask. Yeah. It, yeah. It's kind of being in tune with, with what that's all about for yourself, you know, as an individual. And I also wonder if the idea of connection with our kids comes into play. So I often felt like a lot of the things we were doing were mutually enjoyable. So I didn't necessarily... I mean, when kids are little, it can be pretty full on because you're, you know, you're just really having to be, even from a safety perspective, a little more vigilant or whatever. But as kids get a bit older, I really enjoyed a lot of the things we were doing. So, you know, a lot of the books we were reading together or movies we were watching, like those were enjoyable for me. So I didn't necessarily maybe have a desperate need for a break in the way that some people might imagine, right? 
Um, yeah, I think this is like a topic that comes up quite a lot. And I think it that when you are unschooling and you are spending a lot of time with your children, you live in a slightly different way. It isn't that, okay, they've come from, from school and, and it's full on for these amount of hours. And I think it's just a very, very different way of living. And I think that you're absolutely right. You tend to naturally tap into the things that you like to do together. Yeah, I think it's a very different rhythm. And I wonder too, mm. now, this is just kind of like a thought that's coming up for me now. I wonder too, if kind of getting into that rhythm as a family, if they're naturally taking breaks from us as well, so that this kind of flow happens. So, you know, if we had been out, like, let's say we were out on a hike, or we were out at a movie or a live play or something like that, we would enjoy our time together. And we had a lot of context for what we might be talking about on the way home. So we would enjoy that. But then I think there was kind of a common sense when we arrived home that, so it wasn't just me being like, oh, that was pretty tiring day. It was like everybody was kind of ready to decompress. So I wonder if there's sort of a kind of a flow or a rhythm that we get into where, mm. you know, maybe those the, that self-care is kind of happening because everybody's doing that a little mm. bit themselves. Isn't that lovely, though, that that seed of self-care can happen um, so early on because they have the freedom to say, hmm, now I need some quiet time myself and to go away, you know, like in a school setting, obviously you can't do that. You've got to be full on with everybody all day. But to be able to actually feel into, right, I'm done with people now, <laughs> you know, that that feels like a real gift actually to me. feels like a real gift. Maybe it's a big topic to dive into right now. But one thing we did chat about briefly before we um, came online was combining working and then being with our children can be done and it can be challenging and I just wondered what, what thoughts you'd had on that yeah um you're right Esther it might be a whole other conversation I feel like I have a lot of thoughts <laughs> but I think it, it's probably nice to yeah to kind of to touch on it at least you know I think I and I was kind of sharing with you before we started talking I don't feel like I've ever gotten into a group with combining <laughs> I, I don't even want to just say uh unschooling even just parenting I've managed to find ways to be pretty creative about it so you know I could often right. use times that the kids were in an activity or doing something like that to get some pieces done or we would you know I've always been able to be pretty creative about it if my husband was was away working and I had to do something once my oldest was even maybe like 10 or 11 like if I had a big meeting there would usually maybe be a park beside it and I'd kind of set them up and I'd pop back out to check on them. And so it's never felt like completely separate. You know, it's not like I'm gone for hours a day or something like that. But I do feel very fortunate that I've had, you know, I have had a lot of flexibility with work. I think it's just something to be aware of. I think that we really assume that people can do it all. And there's a lot, it's just a lot of, of push, you know, you can do it in it in, and you can do it, but it's like, Maybe not everybody would choose to do it. I do sometimes think that if society was set up a little better, then it would just be easier for all of us. You know, like if our communities, we were, you know, tighter, near each other and we could help each other out more. And it feels like, yeah, that could really flow much better. But I think oftentimes you're working with, you know, in all of this, we're working with circumstances that are not ideal. I think it's easy to think, oh, I'm not doing this well, or I'm failing at this or... Which, which obviously you're not saying, but I think often it does feel like, oh, I can't seem to 
do enough or or and so people can feel like they're failing under impossible in impossible context really yeah, mm-hmm. I agree entirely. I, I think that the pieces that have felt like they've worked um, for me, I think ironically were helped along by homeschooling because there were a couple of homeschool moms where we would sort of do some trading off. And and so you, I kind right. of had that sense maybe of that more traditional way of doing things where you have people cooperating and working together. So that piece of it, yeah. you know, I, I feel like I have a taste of that, but um mm-hmm. I think you're right. I, I think it's kind of looking for an answer that's maybe not entirely there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So giving ourselves a break sometimes. Yeah. I think sometimes you just have to think, wow, this is actually quite, this is quite challenging. Okay. Let's have a look. How should we do it? But yeah. Yeah. Work in progress here too. I have learned very much to um, go with the, the sort of the ebb and flow of the family. So when, when everything is sort of calm, that's when I'll sit down with the computer. Again, I have a lot of flexibility, but sitting now with the computer and doing things and or getting up, I like to get up very early. So that's, that works for me too. So I, I do try to sort of go with the flow. I don't like to close the door on a busy day and not be present. Yeah. And that's interesting because I, I wonder too about the difference between a more traditional style of homeschooling versus unschooling, you know, that we're in and out of the house, or even if we're working from home, but it, it's something separate from the family. Part of me thinks it's a little bit easier because you can go with the flow and it's not so, so structured. But another part of me thinks that maybe that's, maybe that's tricky because I think if you're viewing education as something that you can kind of work through, you know, you can maybe, maybe a grandparent can help with those while you're out for the day or somebody who's taking care child it I think it's always felt a little bit different with unschooling because so much of it with unschooling I think is that time and that connection and vacation so um but the flip of that is that there were lots of times that let's say my dad was with the kids and I would be thinking oh I've got to get home and almost as though our like our day would start when I arrived or something it was quite self-centered when I think about it and I home and my, you know, they'd be doing all these really neat things with my dad or, or whatever. So I guess there's lots of ways to think about it, but yeah. Yeah. I guess the one thing that really stands out for me in all, in all of that, of course, as you're saying, is that things happen at any time, don't they? And you're aware of that. So of course, if it's nine o'clock in the evening and someone's had a brilliant idea and can we write this down quickly now and, or just look this up and you it pains me to to not be able to just go. Yeah, let's uh, let's have a little look. And sometimes I I can't be on hand for everything, obviously. And as they get older, it's less necessary. But of course, learning, as we know, happens all the time, any time, any day of the week. It's completely, um, you know, it's just life. And so, yeah, uh, not being connected to that can be hard because you don't know when the important things are going to come up. Or anyway, well, that's a whole other one. So. <laughs> We'll leave the rest of that conversation for another day but um yeah you know Erin I'm, I'm just wondering um so if you had because there'll be a lot of people listening who are very interested in about the teenage years or um unschooling at that age and if you have any words of advice that you might pass on to anyone who's perhaps approaching that time yeah. you know I think that these years these last several years for me the work has really been my own. So I would just really 
you know, I guess I would encourage people to, I guess, just be aware that they might have some real kind of introspection to do maybe just around relationships during these ages, because I think, I don't know, I think there's a lot of pressure. I think there's a lot of pressure on teens and young adults. And I think there's a lot of pressure on parents to have things look a certain way, whether that's academic, whether it's social, you know, that's a whole other piece or, or kind of the social end of things, whether it's, you know, kind of activities or work, there just seems to be a lot of opinion I have found during these particular years around, you know, what kids should be doing and how much and kind of where they're headed. And yeah, I, I you know, I, I just really have had to work at staying flexible, at staying uh, open to different ways of looking at things, you know, and a lot of those ways come from my children. So it's really listening and observing and thinking, yeah, that probably isn't actually a big deal. <laughs> you know? Okay, this is a possible route. Yeah, I, I guess that's probably the main thing that comes to my mind is that um, it's been so much of just my own pausing. <laughs> Why do I hold that expectation? Is that my voice or is that what the neighbors will think or what the grandparents will think? So I feel like it's been a lot of, yeah, just really been a lot of working on being, you know, on my kids' side and really observing and kind of closing those side voices out a bit. So, oh, I love what you've just said there. Yeah, I think that's wonderful advice because there's so much pressure on them as well. And uh, yeah, you're right on them and on the parents. And I think they're dif they're difficult years to go through, contemplating going out into the world. The world's not looking so great right now either. So yeah, being on their side and really and really hearing them and staying connected. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I agree. It's a particularly I don't even know what the word is. It's just a very uncertain time right now, and it's it's a stage of life that I think mm. has always been. You know maybe not always difficult but there's just lots of thinking through for for kids so you partner that with mm. you know a pandemic and all kinds of other things and it's a yeah. lot to think about yeah absolutely oh well thank you so much Aaron it's just been really lovely chatting to you oh thank you Esther I've really enjoyed it thank you very much well thank you and um, um, I'll bring you back for part two <laughs> sometime in the future I feel like there's lots more to talk about so, yeah, well, let's stay connected. And, uh, yeah, lots of love to you and to your family. That sounds good. I'd love that. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.